Welcome to The Sunny Side, the podcast that makes solar energy relatable, accessible, and attainable. Join us as we journey behind the scenes with women taking amazing strides in all parts of the solar industry. I'm your host, Sharon Lee, and thank you for joining us today. Welcome to The Sunny Side. I am so excited about this episode of The Sunny Side for two reasons, and one is the fact that we have been doing this for a year now. The May episode marks the first episode in year two of The Sunny Side, and at the same time, we're sitting here on the roof at the South Face Institute right here in Atlanta, a gorgeous afternoon. I can't think of a better setting for our first video recording of The Sunny Side. So I do want to thank the South Face Institute. James Marlowe is the CEO, and I've known him for years. He has always been such an advocate for women in the solar industry. I consider him a mentor from way back. So he was so thrilled for us to be a part of this today. And we are also going to be hosting our Empowered Women's event later out here on the roof. We do that every other month. And so if you are a woman in the renewables or solar or utility industries, please reach out to me and join us. We do this about every other month, and it is such a fantastic way to get to know one another in the industry, and that's such an important part of what we do. With that, I do want to bring on my guest for May, and Jamie Barber is with the Georgia Public Service Commission. And Jamie, I'm going to have to... Maybe read your title, the Director of Efficiencies for Renewable Energy. No. Right? No. <laughs> You're close. It's too long. I can't remember it. Okay. It's the Director of the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Unit. Okay. I was close. You I was close. close. You anyway. Close. But I'll just say friend, because we have known each other for a long time, and I'm just thrilled that you are going to be my first video interview, and we have a lot to talk about today, so... Before we get into what all the Georgia Public Service Commission is, let's talk about you just a little bit, where you grew up, where you went to school, kind of how you got here. Okay. I grew up in West Georgia in a county, Harrelson County, which is probably 50 miles west of Atlanta. Grew up there, went to the University of West Georgia for school, which was in Carrollton. So not too far away, but I grew up in that part of the state. Okay. And so you studied accounting. That's right. Okay. So when you set out in school and all that, renewables was not necessarily on your radar screen. Oh, absolutely not. I went to school to get an accounting degree. And so after I got out of school, I started looking for a state job. I took the state accounting test and I actually interviewed with the Georgia Public Service Commission as an accountant and ended up being impatient like I am. That was one of the first places that asked me to interview. And so I accepted a position there. I love that story. I absolutely love that story because I can completely relate. Patience is not something I have an ounce of, so I totally can relate. But I think it's also interesting that you had started immediately in that accounting area, yeah. but started almost immediately getting lured into the policy arena as well, right? Yeah, that's right. It was not very long after I got there that someone came down to the budget office and said, don't you have an accounting degree? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, why are you not up working in the policy area? 
And I said, I don't really know about the policy area. And so since I was new in this position, the person I went to work for, the executive director came and talked to me and said, I want you to stay in this position for a year before you interview for a policy position upstairs. And so a year to the day, I interviewed and moved up to the electric section of the Public Service Commission. So we should stop for just a second and talk about what the Public Service Commission is for the state of Georgia. Right. The Public Service Commission regulates utilities, Georgia Power, Atlanta Gaslight, and some telecommunications. And they're basically responsible for making sure that the rates are reasonable and services reliable. They look out for the public interest. So ultimately, they're looking out for the consumer as well as the utility. I mean, there has to be a balance there because you've got to have healthy utilities or they would not be able to operate. So really, the commission's role is looking out for the public interest. So on previous episodes of the Sunnyside, we've talked about how, by law, every three years, Georgia Power goes through the IRP, and that's the Integrated Resource Plan, and that morphs into the rate case afterward. And you're involved in both sides of that work, right? Yes, that's correct. George Power is required to file the IRP every three years. Basically, that's a 20-year outlook of how they're going to meet their demand for their customer floats. So you're basically looking at the load forecast for 20 years. You look at what resources are going to be used to meet that demand. And so the commission will make a decision on the case, and usually the case is six months. How that relates to the rate case is really whatever assets are going to be allowed to rates. And they are related, but then also, you know, you're looking at how to allow the company to recover their investment during the rate case. And it's just, I guess, circumstantial that they all fall, both of them fall in the same year. So they really don't have to, but I think that's the cycle the commission's got on because ultimately Georgia Power is under a three-year accounting order. And so the way it is now, they happen to fall in the IRP year. Okay. And so let's get into what your role is within this whole cycle. Our role as part of the IRP is being part of the public interest advocacy staff. We're a party to the case, just like other parties, such as South Face or Southern Environmental Law Center. We're a party to the case, just like Georgia Power. So basically what we do is we make recommendations. We look at the company's filing, and then we make recommendations to the commissioners regarding those issues, just like other parties like SIA or anyone else would do. Mm -hmm. So in that particular case, we're a party. Okay, so in that role, we're not advisors to the commission. And so there are instances where we are advisors to the commission under certain dockets. So it really depends on what case you're specific about. Okay. And going back to your earlier days, by the way, if I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but you did stop in the middle of all of this. Well, you didn't really stop, but you did as a single mom, go get your MBA at night, if you can even remember that blur that that time frame was. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess a little bit of history is that when I first moved up into the utilities division in the electric section, I was there probably two or three years. And then I transferred over to the natural gas unit back in 1998. I worked there for 12 years. And at that time, Atlanta Gaslight was unbundling. And so they had filed for election to deregulate. And so I did that for 12 years. 
And that was a lot of rate case stuff. That was really when I first got involved with rates and doing their rate design and stuff for that. But it involved a lot of rulemaking, such as market certification and other rules to make sure consumers were protected during the deregulation. And so then, back in 2010, that was when I moved over to, at the time it was called ARA, American Reinvestment Act Funding. And that was kind of the formation of the team that I'm currently over. We kind of morphed from different things. Back in 2020 was when I was promoted to director of the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Unit. Kind of that's how we stand today. But before I left the natural gas unit, I went back to not school to get my MBA with three kids at home and a full-time job. So I did a program that I went to noon and one night a week, very long Monday nights. And then luckily a new opportunity came along, which is kind of what I'm doing now with the renewables and energy efficiency. Okay. And by the way, I should say, shout out to all the single moms out there killing it, working hard all day and at night going home, being the best mom you can be. Oh my goodness. But anyway, little aside, yes. but we met, I would say, when the solar industry was becoming an industry. So we were talking about this before. It was around the 2012, 2013 timeframe. And the Public Service Commission had just opened up, I think, 210 megawatts of solar opportunity capacity. And so George Power was creating the RFP language. And I was on the board of directors for the Georgia Solar Energy Association. And there were other stakeholders sitting around the table. And we were going back and forth, looking at that language, making sure that it all seemed to make sense for the industry as a whole. But it seems like yesterday, but that kind of kickstarted a lot of this. And but IRP has changed so much over the years, I guess, right? Well, the process itself hasn't changed. Right. I mean, it's still the same, but what really has changed is that the resources that are being added back in 2010, well, actually, my first IRP was 1995. I forgot to mention that earlier. So okay. when I first got moved to the electric section, it was 1995. What we're looking at now is a lot of coal units are being retired and you're adding renewables and battery storage and, you know, some natural gas. And so that was not taking place back in 2010 because of the cost of renewables, which has definitely made a change in the resources that are being added. So the process itself, I wouldn't dare to say that the last IRP was probably the most complicated that I had done, and I've been involved in a lot of them. And so it was just very complicated. There was just a lot of issues that come along with retirement of coal units. Adding renewables and then valuing renewables is done through the IRP and then a host of other issues. So I think it's become more complicated and you're seeing new clean resources being added. But you don't just keep an eye out for, you know, Georgia Power or any of your utilities' interest. You're also looking out for the little guy, if you will. Talk a little bit about that, because I think it's interesting how you kind of walk on both sides of the fence. Yeah. That's really the best way to put it. In order for programs to be successful, you've got to be able to have uh, as many people to be able to participate as possible. So when the commission is looking at the guidelines for a program, we really look to see if there's any barriers to entry or is it going to give anyone an advantage over another party 
And so it really has been a balancing act throughout the years. And as I will continue to say, it continues to be a work in progress, you know, on the distributed generation side, still trying to find some ways to fix the programs to make it to where the company is able to procure the megawatts that are approved by the commission. So it is a balancing act. So how has the solar industry helped you in your role? Solar industry has been so helpful as we're working on program guidelines or an RFP document or PPA where they provided feedback because they're the ones that are actually going out building projects. So they're the best resource for me to be able to say how a particular provision or change is going to impact their business or their ability to bid into an RFP. Because at the end of the day, you know, the better we can get prices for, it impacts customers. And so we definitely want more competition. We want the RFP process to be fair. So the solar industry has been very helpful in telling us, you know, what would help make the programs better. Okay. Well, and a lot is being done by a small group. Don't you love doing this on the rooftop outside and all the wind blowing? But hey, we're rolling with it. We're rolling Um, with it. (laughs) Yeah. But that leads me to your team because, like I said, you all are doing a whole lot. You're juggling a whole lot. So tell me what your team, who it's made up of and how you work together. Okay. My team consists of three other staffers full time. I do full resources from the electric unit. But currently, I have two seasoned employees. One's been there 20 years at the commission. He's worked with me from day one, so he's very engaged in the renewables. And then I unfortunately had a staff person leave back in February, and I just hired a new person that's got an engineer with a master's in policy that's going to start May 1st. It is a lot of work for a small amount of people, but we're used to that. We're used to staying really busy. So that's a good segue because in every episode, I talk about mentorship. And so can you go back through the years that you've been at the Public Service Commission and really think of mentors that have kind of lighted your path and taken you down the journey and that sort of thing? Well, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff, there's no rule book or handbook for it. So a lot of this stuff we've had to develop on our own. But I mean, there are opportunities if I see new employees at the commission to try to mentor them into how to be successful in their job. Right. Well, and also I think that because if you do have to just find your own way and figure things out, it makes you a fantastic mentor. Like, for example, when we were talking about creating this Empowered Women's group, that was something that we both kind of latched onto that, you know, not only is this networking with our peers and women that are, you know, successful and leaders and all of this, but we welcome new women coming into the industry. So that's just a part of this. Oh, most definitely. And the commission has recently hired two new female attorneys. And so the same thing is, you know, trying to be a mentor for those as well. So let's go back to where we are today. So last summer, we had the IRP, went into the rate case, vote was done at the end of December. In the middle of all that, Inflation Reduction Act at the federal level was passed into law And so talk a little bit about what all that means. I mean, again, just a lot going on, right? Yeah, the craziness of the IRP rate case are over. But what that really means now is that we're going to be transitioning over to enforce and oversee what the commission had approved during the IRP. 
And so what that means now is we're getting ready to work out. We actually had a distributed generation working group. And then we're working with Georgia Power now to get ready to issue the RFPs for the distributed generation and utility scale resources later this year. Okay. Well, I wish you luck in getting all that accomplished and all that. But back again, when we first met, the solar industry was just kind of coming underway. And then it wasn't long after that, that Georgia was in the top 10 of all states in the United States for installed solar. And we didn't ebb and flow in that. We stayed consistently in that top 10 arena, which is fantastic. So, I mean, I think it says a lot about what you all are doing. It also says something about the industry and we're stepping up and getting these things installed. And then that just kind of teased me up to ask about the outlook. And I could ask for any of the areas that you regulate, but this is my podcast and it's solar. So I'm only going to ask about solar. <laughs> yeah. Where do you think seeing this going? I mean, I think the prospect for solar looks really good. If you base that on historically what the commission has done. If you look back at the 2013 IRP, the commission approved 525 megawatts. And then the next IRP doubled. Then you look at last year as 2,300 megawatts. And so that is a lot of renewable energy that's been approved by the commission and ultimately has to be procured with Georgia Power through the RFD process. So I would say it looks really good. Well, I will choose to believe that, absolutely. But I do also have to ask, when you're not regulating and making policy decisions and things like that, what do you do for fun? Well, I like to line dance and also enjoy yoga. So those are my two things. Lately, I got a Peloton, so right now I'm kind of addicted to that. It's right. kind of, I didn't realize hard cycling classes really are, but they're pretty intense. So those are the things I like to do. But they make them fun. So maybe you don't realize how intense. Oh, it is fun. It is fun. So, well, and you know, I'm not going to be offended that you didn't say having a glass of wine with your friend Sharon, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. That too. We've done that many, many times. Yes. So if people wanted to reach out to you or connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? The best way would probably be LinkedIn. Jamie Barber, real easy to find. Actually, when people message me, my phone pings. So that's probably very easy. And I respond to messages through that way. And then, of course, we can connect through email. But LinkedIn would be great. Okay. And I'll put a link to your LinkedIn page below in the description, as well as a link to South Face, because I'm thrilled that they allowed us to come here tonight. And I guess we might have people showing up for our rooftop event coming up. So that's true. But thank you so much for being on the sunny side today. This has been great. It's so great to talk to you. Well, thank you for the invite. I enjoyed it and look forward to the reception tonight. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Sunnyside Podcast. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. You can also email questions, suggestions, and compliments to Sharon at velosolar.com. The Sunnyside is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Sharon Lee. Thank you.